This episode is sponsored by the irresistible love of Aurora Jean Amick. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 17-21 NIV We read this passage in adult Sunday school at Legacy this morning. It starts innocently enough. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. The assumption is that someone will pay you in evil, but you are not to pay them back in kind. Fine. Revenge is a lot of work. It's a waste of time and energy. Let the law of consequences take care of them. They'll reap what they've sown. But no. When your enemy is hungry, you feed him. When your enemy is thirsty, you feed her. You give her a drink. This is the moral of the Good Samaritan. Not be nice to strangers, but love your enemies. The Jews hated the Samaritans, going out of their way to avoid Samaria. This is one of the reasons Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman was scandalous. For the hero of the story to be these despised neighbors was massively offensive. You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 5, 38-48, NIV. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, though quoting Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, was not exclusive to the Hebrews. It somewhat misleadingly referred to as lex talionis, the law of retaliation. It actually existed to prevent retaliation. The concept was proportionality rather than escalation. If you give me a black eye or knock out one of my teeth, the maximum I can do in return is to give you a black eye back or knock out one of your teeth. Why did we need a law about this? Because human nature insists on paying back extra, not just what you did to me, but with interest. Lamech, descendant of Cain, boasted to his wives in Genesis 4, 23-24 in the NIV, I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech seventy-seven times. But that is not the way of Jesus. For the record, love your neighbor in the Bible. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy is not. Here's Preston Sprinkle. T.D. Miles once said that Christianity is like one beggar showing other beggars where to find bread. Since we were enemies when God loved us, he called us to turn around and love our, follow, our fellow enemies. As beggars who have found undeserved bread, 
We can only show other beggars, even if they're enemies, where to find bread. Anything less would be hypocrisy. As much as I would like to draw boundaries around enemy love, Jesus doesn't. The Greek word for enemy, ekthroi, is often used in the broadest sense to include religious, political, and personal enemies. In fact, the word ekthroi is often used in the Old Testament of military enemies. This is why Jesus told his followers to carry the pack of a Roman soldier, a military enemy, in the same context. Matthew 5.41 Such ridiculousness would be a scandalous act of love. And in the same context, Jesus compares loving our enemies to the Father's love for all people, the just and the unjust. Matthew 5.45 There's nothing in Jesus' words that restricts the meaning of enemy to certain types of people. Jesus' call to love our enemy is indistinguishable. It extends to every last person on the planet. Jesus' command to love your enemies was the most popular verse in the early church. It was quoted in 26 places by 10 different writers in the first 300 years of Christianity, which makes it the most celebrated command among the first Christians. Matthew 5.44 was the so-called John 3.16 of the early church, and enemy love was the hallmark of the Christian faith. Other religions taught that people should love their neighbors. They even taught forgiveness for those who wronged them. But actually loving your enemy? Only Jesus and his followers took love this far, because this is how far the love of God extends to us. While we were God's enemies, Christ loved us. Christians no longer distinguish between neighbors and enemies. Through the death of Jesus, we are swept up into God's love for all people, even enemies like us. The one who loves his enemies can no longer have any enemies. He's left with only neighbors. The Sermon at Legacy continued our series on the book of Jonah. My pastor has been rapping along with the prophet, and today was no exception. This morning, he rhymed Metropolis with Stephanopolis. But it took me two months to recognize the theme my friend Steve Brooke has been spitting. I love this city. That's God, talking about Nineveh. Jonah is a book about enemy love, specifically God loving his enemies, the Ninevites, yes, but also the pagan sailors and his own wayward press secretary. Think about it. Jonah receives a message from the Lord. He runs in the opposite direction from someone whom he better than anyone knows is almighty. But God does not strike him dead. God lets him go initially. Then he sends a storm. Jonah's shipmates cry out to their various gods. God doesn't drown them for this. When they reluctantly throw Jonah overboard, God spares these wretched idolaters and allows them to acknowledge and worship him. Jonah doesn't drown either. He's swallowed by a big fish. At some point, he ought to be digested, but he's not. Jonah realizes he's not going to die, and he finally prays. God doesn't fire him. Instead, he rehires him. He gives the unrepentant Jonah a second chance to deliver his message. Jonah doesn't even have to arrange passage. Then, as Stevie B pointed out this morning, Jonah delivers an unclear message. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Jonah 3, 4, NIV. Why does God even go to all this trouble to announce his judgment? Because he loves the Ninevites despite their wickedness. When they repent, he is only too happy to relent. Why does God even go to all of this trouble to have Jonah do the announcing? Because he loves Jonah despite his wickedness. Why does God even let Jonah get to the boat? Because God loves the crew despite their wickedness. Yet, it is the descendants of these Ninevites who will eventually end the northern kingdom of Israel. Yet the book of Jonah ends with the prophet pouting hard-heartedly at God, begging to die if he's going to be awful enough to extend grace to these jerks. Yet those sailors probably continue to worship their native deities. The bar of enemy love is incredibly high. We cannot clear it on our own. We love because he first loved us. 
We love God because he first loved us, but we also love others because he first loved us. We are not guaranteed that turning the other cheek or feeding a starving enemy will end the harmful behavior. Nevertheless, we cannot rationalize and minimize the command. The Ninevites, the sailors, Jonah, you and I at one point did not even know we should come to God, never mind that we couldn't. So he came to us. It cost him everything. To follow him will cost us no less. But mercy is never wasted. We love God when we love our enemies. They may not deserve it, but what is he not worthy of?